we're back for another enjoyable week. Welcome to Hard to Pod. Sam Kelly, and this week, as usual, I'm joined for uh, episode 156 of Hand of Pod by Peter Coates. Hello. And Andres Bruckner. Hello. Uh, there's no big fancy introduction this week because we don't really have quite as much to talk about as we had last week, which is probably a good thing, really. It means that we're not going to have a two hour long podcast. Um, we have to make it, make it long. Yes, well, or. Try and no, no. Okay, well, we've we've got maybe an hour or so to record. To be honest, um, what what do we talk about? Do we have anything at all to talk about? There must be something. We've not planned this one before coming on, okay. as you probably noticed already. Fortunately, Alpha are they give us some material. Oh, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, um, we do in fact have something to talk about. And Russ has just just reminded me. But before we do that, we'll go through things chronologically, yes. and we will talk about the weekend's football. Uh, last week's podcast went online on Friday afternoon, evening. I think it was in Buenos Aires. I can't remember exactly when I got it uploaded. Um, and the football kicked off on Saturday. There were no Friday matches last week. I'm not sure why. Because we had that midweek. No, that wasn't last week. That was the week before. Don't know why, but for some reason there were no Friday games. Um, the Saturday matches, we'll, we'll go through the scores first of all, uh, were Atletico de Rafaela 2, Gimnasia y Grima La Plata 0, Vélez Sarsfield 0, Newell's Old Boys 0, which I was at and was rubbish, especially yeah. considering it was second against third and two of the best footballing teams in the league. Estudiantes 3, Belgrano 1, Banfield 0, Independiente 1, Rosario Central, we're on to Sunday now, Rosario Central 1, San Lorenzo 1, Godoy Cruz 1, Defensa Justicia 1, Racing Club 1, Lanús 3, we're going to be talking about that one, River Plate 2, Tigre 0, Olimpo 0, Boca Juniors 1, and on the Monday evening, uh, an entirely predictable scoreline between Quilmes and Arsenal, one that we all saw coming, 4-0 to Quilmes, what the hell happened there, I didn't see it, I was running a pub quiz. If you can hear beeping, listeners, I apologise, I'm not sure what that's for. I, I don't know why that's coming out. You can't. It must be the headphones then. Has to be the headphones, maybe with the television. No, nope, I'm just going to take the headphones off for the rest of the recording because that's really annoying me. First of all, I'll start, as I said, with Vélez Sarsfield versus Newell's Old Boys because on <coughs> Thursday of last week, or Wednesday last week, I was invited to that match by a friend of mine, Esteban Beckerman, uh, who, in fact, has come on Hand the Pot. Um, he, he was on immediately after uh, the episode in which we bade farewell to Alfredo Di Stefano during the World Cup. Um, he invited me to, to go and watch it in the press room, and whilst I was very impressed, um, comparatively at least, with the press um, facilities at Ferrocarril Oeste and uh, River Plate, um, the match, as we already mentioned, was somewhat less uh, whelming. It was distinctly underwhelming, in fact. It was it was terrible. I don't know what you two thought of it watching it on television. but uh, Yeah, no, well, agreed. <laughs> it was a shame. It was nice to see Jorge Correa... Um, Jorge Correa, sorry, my vowels went all over the place then, um, in the flesh, and he was certainly the best player 
on the pitch, but um, came away with it more than anything, uh, having discovered that uh, whilst Francisco Fidrishevsky has a tremendous number of consonants in his name, um, he's he's not quite the number nine that Ignacio Goko is for Newell's. Um, Fidrishevsky, by the way, the previous weekend had made his debut, uh, or it might have been a week and a half ago, in fact, made his debut for Newell's Old Boys, and in doing so became the first player in Newell's history to have nine consonants in his surname. Which is quite something. It's F Y D R I S Z E W S K Y. Um, we're obviously counting Y's there as as consonants, not vowels, for the picky people among you. Um, it's similar, I think, origin than, for example, Lewandowski. Yes. Could be. Yeah, it will be. Uh, so yeah, East, Eastern European somewhere. Um, Victor Lopez came out to the Newell's defence though and and looked. Uh, He looked as good as anybody at Newell's did, at least. Um, they, they didn't play very well overall. But uh, that, that stat that I mentioned last week about Newell's defence with or without Lopez has, has held up. They kept a clean sheet with him, so I was happy with that. Um, and I felt clever because I, I predicted the draw. I wasn't expecting it to be quite as awful as it was, though. Not the best match of the weekend, it is fair to say. Um, but as I say, Vélez do have a, a nice uh, press department. Um I missed, as a result of going to that game, most of the other matches on Saturday. I didn't catch any of Atletico versus Gimnasia or of Estudiantes versus Belgrano. I did watch most of the second half of Banfield versus Independiente. Um, did either of you catch those two games that I missed, first of all? No, because I watched... Uh, stupidly, by looking at the scores, to, I thought, I'll watch Velez, Newell's, and mm. then obviously watch Independiente later on, so I thought, I'll, I'll give the other two a miss. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, Estudiantes appear now to have hit their stride attacking. They, they, they certainly found it difficult to do so earlier in the season, um, but they put three past Belgrano, and from what I read afterwards, looked fairly decent, I would say. Yes, right. I, I watched a part of it, uh, of course, the, the beautiful goal from Roman Martinez, the back heel. That was the back heel, right? Yes, uh, Very, very. Uh, 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 even though the the, the ball like bounced in in Farre, I think, from Belgrano, the the, the beautiful goal. So I I, I watched. I was watching right when the when Roman Martinez score scored that. Yeah, and they went. Uh, they were three 0 up, in fact, and Julio Funch uh, pulled one back for for Belgrano very late on. Uh, although Ezequiel Cerruti had only scored uh, Estudiantes third fairly late on as well. Um, that means, I think I'm right in saying that Estudiantes are joining the chasing pack now, doesn't it? They're, oh no, maybe not, they're seventh, but then Oh no, four, four points behind Venice. Um, so yeah, it's sort of chasing pack, but a, a team who are very much in the chasing pack um, are Independiente. Peter, how's that happened? Well, good question. They were How? rubbish about two weeks ago, and now they've won three in a row. I'm still not convinced that much has changed to be honest um, I mean I can't remember the, the, the three going back but obviously the, the game prior to this was the classical um, in which we discussed last week I don't independent they were not particularly impressive I think we more focused on the, the shortcomings of Racing indeed as we're going um, to be doing again in a few minutes time yeah. the, the one previous to that was the uh, coming from behind win against Olimpo away from home yeah okay. two late goals Um, yeah, with two very late goals, so not a particularly impressive performance there. I mean, some nice like resolve to come back late um, away, and, and again against Banfield, um, it wasn't exactly a performance that is going <laughs> to send shockwaves through the division. And I think I don't think River are going to be too worried at this point. Um, they were aided by the 
fairly early sending off of um, pretty chill pretty chill yeah um, what was he sent off for it was a it was kind before of I got in, little uh, in sort of tussle with uh, Gomez yes with, yeah with Ruby he, Gomez he had a, a like a fight with Gomez Prichoda is a former Russian player and that may might have okay. something to do with, with it uh, it was it was like not a it's not like that, like he headed uh, Gomez it's like like always happens the, he does the movement of, of the head and, and Gomez uh, like uh, takes his two hands into the, his, his face and and did the well the, the, the referee bought uh, that action and, and Sent off Prichoda, who of course went out from the pitch. Uh, Eventually, yes. it took quite a long time to actually get him off the pitch. Such was his fury. Banfield uh, have have not been doing so well. It is fair to say, in recent weeks, which uh, really kind of underlines, I guess, what you're saying about Independiente winning matches without looking all that impressive. Um, they've beaten Olimpo, who are second bottom. Banfield, who are 15th, and of course Racing, who are 9th, and in fact level on points. Within, uh, oh no, they're three points behind Independiente. Um, but uh, Racing uh, being 9th, I suppose we have to include them in the chasing pack, since I just included Estudiantes in the chasing pack. Uh, but we are only six matches in, which nonetheless is a third of the way through yeah, the Yeah, and I guess also if you're looking at that rather large group of people, teams on nine points. Yeah. If you're looking at momentum, I guess Estudiantes are coming off the back of a good win and playing well. Racing are in a, yes, a, yeah. a nose dive. And the are going in one direction, Racing appears to be going in another, and they're sort of crossing in the middle. Um, as indeed, you could be saying, uh, Boca Juniors uh, appear to be upping things a bit now as well. On yeah. Sunday, they, they got a... It wasn't pretty, by any means. Um, I'd be the last person to say it was pretty, but it, uh, it was gritty and, I think, deserved, just about, on the balance of play. Uh, 1-0 win away to Olimpo de Bahia Blanca never an easy side to beat at home as River and Boca and well and, uh, other members of the big and five and it was another match with, with a stupid very stupid sent off yeah very similar sending yes 30, 30th, 13th minute of, of match and Borja I think he's from Colombia uh, had a, a like faced a, a, a Chevarria like in, in that case I think he had uh, reached he, the head of Echevarria he was like more uh, intention to to help yeah. to help him and uh, well uh, of course Echevarria exaggerated a bit. It came as well very very shortly after um, Echevarria had had pushed Bor, Bor, Borja. Borja. Yeah. I wanted to say Borges then um, had pushed Borja over in the box uh, whilst a cross was being sent in and I mean pretty much Olimpo really should have been awarded the penalty. About two minutes after that, it kind of looked like Echeverria maybe said something into Borja's ear and and got him to react. Which you'd have to call in in the context of Latin American football. I realise that in England this would be severely frowned on, but uh, intelligent play from Echeverria. No, yes. is, is this a Boca centre back who's not doing something completely fucking idiotic all the time? No, it's remarkable. But sometimes when when there is a, an action like that, the the the, the player uh, who has have been sent off tries to 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 take with him the player that made him being sent off. So in this case, it didn't happen, or he was like. Uh, upset because of the of the red card, but uh, come on, you you are you are playing with the uh, with with Boca uh, at your your stadium, 13th minute. You can't you can't react like that. It's you, just you can't. And 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 he tried to 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 talk with Chavarria, uh, who was in the in the in the floor, of course. Mm. Um, and well, uh, but 
was useless. Indeed. Um, and well, then Oliver Luka... finished with, with yes. nine men on the pitch because Juan Sils was sent off in the 89th minute. But by the time he was, Emmanuel Gigliotti had already scored what proved to be the only goal of the game. Yes. Uh, I interrupted you, Andres. No, Demboca then, then played decently, uh, of course, uh, better than Olimpo. That, uh, uh, as we have just said, played with ten men uh, uh, most of the match, and, and it was like, for at, at, at least from the attitude, they were more like uh, 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 they, they they showed something different from from the matches, uh, the previous matches when when Bianchi was still the. The coach. It's it's really strange, as as I I think I said, uh, because you you can't you didn't forgive to forget to, to run and and in this case uh, it was like they had forgotten. Yeah, but they, uh, the players have changed. He's changed both fullbacks. I think it's fair to say. I, I think certainly the left back has, has changed since uh, Bianchi. No, Bianchi wasn't using Colasso at left back. Um, the, mid, the makeup of the midfield has changed, and the forward line largely as well. And, and he's not trying to stick one of Carrizo or Chavez in the middle as the enganche the whole time, which, which Bianchi was trying to do. He's playing them both out on the flanks where they've got a bit more space. Um, so I, I think it's, as, as I kind of mentioned last week, I think it's a bit more um, explainable than simply saying that the players weren't trying under Bianchi. This is one instance, a uh, rare instance possibly, but one instance in which I am on the side of Boca Juniors players when they say, you know, we, it wasn't that we were trying to get Bianchi sacked. In fact, one of them was it uh, Gago today? Gago today um, yeah. said that no, it wasn't Gago. It might have been Gigliotti um, who said that it was always going to happen. If if we managed to beat Vélez, which of course they did uh, in the previous round, everyone was always going to say that we were making Bianchi's bed, as as the saying goes here. Um, and I I don't think that it's it's all that much of a, a an issue. Um, the other point, of course, is that whilst Boca very much aren't the finished article yet, you wouldn't suggest that they were. As I say, an away li- uh, an away win against Olimpo is is a decent result. Um, uh, it's a result that any side in the league are happy to take away because Olimpo at home, maybe this year, this calendar year, have been slightly easier to beat than than they were in years past. But it's still not an easy or a pleasant place to go by a Blanca. So. No, no, Olimpo anyway, and, and that's something natural, I think, logical. Uh, with one one less man, man uh, they uh, tend to to go back to their side and, and and defend very very close to to Champagne in this mm. case, Nerea Champagne, in, in which that's the goalkeeper. Yes, by the way, uh, which of course uh, uh, puts Boca possibilities uh, higher in, in terms of 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 the of the. The, the, the having the ball and the and the uh, uh, most of the pitch in order to to, to advance and and, and in, in, but anyway the, yes I think that there is a difference in in terms of I think I think attitude I don't say that they made uh, Bianchi's bed as 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 he really said uh, but it's at least for me it's curious how. Uh, how they changed in, in in some in so so little time, but mm. well. It also must uh, before we move on to the next match, just um, uh, give give some props for the goal itself because it was a good ball into the box and it was a stonking header from Gigliotti, really kind of meatballed it past the um, past past Nereo Champagne. Um, Earlier in the day, Godoy Cruz had been held 1-1 by Defensa Justicia. It was a real game of two halves, that one, because Defensa were frankly awful before half-time and much, much, much better after it. 
Um, that doesn't do very much to to the title race, though. Something that does do uh, quite a bit to the title race were, were the two other matches on Sunday, uh, which were Racing losing 3-1 at home to Lanus in yet another performance, which leaves us just saying, typical Racing. Um, from from the very first minute as well, uh, just just unbelievable. They, they went 1-0 up almost exactly a minute into the game. Ricardo Centurion um, scoring the goal after a fantastic uh, pass from Gabriel Auche. And what does Centurion do? Tears his shirt off, knowing that he's going to get booked for it. And surprise, surprise, what, about halfway through the second half or so, uh, he has shown a second yellow card and racing it down to ten men. But even when you say surprise, surprise, the nature of the second yellow card... It could have been a straight red. He, he went I mean, straight through the guy. challenge for someone on a yellow card when your team's losing at home is just But also, tearing staggering. off your shirt to celebrate. I'm sorry. I, I, I know that we can complain about FIFA being busy bodies and wanting to take the joy out and spontaneity out of the game by telling referees to book players who, who take their shirts off and why are they doing it and, and what's the point and whatnot. And aren't men's chests nice to look at and oh, look at them they're so muscly and everything. Um... <laughs> But the fact is, if you know that you're going to get a yellow card for it, if you know that the referee doesn't have any choice but to give you a yellow card for it, yeah, if it's the winning goal in the 89th minute of the World Cup final, go mad. If it's the first minute of a normal league game, don't do it. What was he doing? Yeah, I mean... Same situation as... as, as you can't explain, like, Borja send, sending off. Hmm. Because you have a lot of matches. But it was play. more stupid than Borja yes. sending off. Yes. I mean, at least Borja was actually provoked and, you know, maybe just lost his temper momentarily. What's Centurion's excuse? And with all the matching to play exactly. one minute. It was ridiculous. Lanús didn't um, play particularly well themselves in the second in, in the first half, but against a 10-man... Uh, in fact, sorry, no, it was still against 11-man Rassi, of course, because uh, Centurion wasn't sent off until but the second half. Had Milito but, been booked when he uh, kissed the, the, the Russian... A shirt, t-shirt when they in front of Independientes yes. Popular, yes. Because the uh, the Russian players protested the who was the the referee for match the match Russian Lan- uh, Melos, uh, uh, yes, no. protested Melos. Yes, sorry, yeah, Melos. It was Rapalini the previous week. Yes, from yes, uh, protested Melo because Romero when scored the the Panenka the penalty to to draw, draw the mm. match uh, did the same against uh, the. It's a bit less incendiary when you're not doing it in a classic car right in front of the the popo, though, isn't it? But uh, you see how focused are the players in order to 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 say the referee, hey, but Milito was booked the previous week when he yeah. he hit the t-shirt. I think the other thing with Milito's case is that he he did it once when he first scored in the sort of immediate direction of when he just scored, then went to the corner flag to another stand and then alone stood there while the other players had sort of alright we've celebrated this and started going back to the halfway lane stood there alone still kissing the badge (laughs) and it was a bit like alright now it's gone beyond just the the, you know the the joy of scoring getting into a manual out of buy or against Arsenal sprinting the length of the pitch territory to celebrate in front of the and suddenly Diego Coca is a bit like uh, having not the best uh, relationship with, with with supporters, uh, only because of two, of course, huge uh, um, defeats. In order, uh, taking into account the, the, his what he said the the, 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 the some days uh, previous the 
to the to the clásico against Independiente, saying that he he would prefer to to fight for championship for the title and and and, and losing against Independiente. Not that he wanted to lose, but he if he was given to choose between winning Independiente or uh, uh, fighting for the title, he would choose to fight for the title. Mm. And that was like a cross because then he they lost and and supporters was there was a, fl a flag uh, that said I prefer you to go to live than fighting for the title. So it's now they are very very annoyed with him and it's, he 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 admitted to be green to have been green in terms of stupid. Yeah, for for saying that. Absolutely. Um, Lanús uh, were 2-1 up by half-time without having played particularly well. Um, Diego got the second goal from Gonzalez. Diego Gonzalez was a, a stonker. Yeah. Um, uh, through the legs dummy from uh, Acosta, I think it was, wasn't it? Or Astina. Um, one of them steps over the ball and, and Gonzalez ran onto it and just and hit it fantastically into the top corner. Uh, Silvio Romero added the second four minutes, in, uh, the third, sorry, four minutes into stoppage time at the end of a counter attack from a racing corner, which was just the most racing way possible of sealing the defeat. Um, and in the meantime, since uh, Andres has already uh, hinted at uh, the situation that Racing were already experiencing with the referees, we need to bring up the fact that the Racing's uh, president, is it, it's Victor Blanco, isn't it still, um, has, has been in the news in the last couple of days, uh, complaining that, or in fact was in the news last week, saying, uh, you know, maybe we need to ask for more more favours from, from the AFA, maybe we need to look for another position in, in, in the AFA, because we're obviously not getting the referees that we want at the moment, and why shouldn't we, and blah, blah, blah. Um, and uh, Racing have, have now uh, they, they played Boca Juniors in La Bombonera this coming weekend and the referee for that has been announced and it is Beligoy Beligoy thank you yeah, yes. I was going to say Diego Abel uh, and I knew it wasn't Diego Abel it's, it's uh, Federico Beligoy um, who is a referee who almost immediately there were a couple of stats accounts on Twitter pointing out that uh, there are two descendants two previous times um in which Benny Goy has refereed a Boca Juniors match and sent off three players. Leaving out the fact that on at least one of those occasions, all three red cards were completely justified and undeniable. Um, but it's it's something that uh, Racing is starting to get just a little bit too paranoid about, possibly. No? Absolutely. I'm sure um, if English Dan were here, he'd like to put another spin on it, but he's not here, so <laughs> he can't. No, I mean, I, frankly, with the way they're playing, I think it looked... It, I don't think it's correct for them to be claiming any kind of conspiracies no. against their feet. I mean, going back to the Clásico, correct me if I'm wrong, but really the both Independiente's goals were not in question. The one mistake that I can that I can think of really is not sending off Christian Tula for his No, and there was not a, mm. a high foot on uh, that uh, Milito, uh, they, there was a, a foul from Milito that uh, Rapalini gave to to Independiente that was not foul, but you can't. Oh, come on, you, you can't. You don't make a conspiracy from yeah, uh, based from one on that. Incident. I mean, and and again, we, forty-five minutes of a, being a goal down, and you're going to go back to a couple of kind of decisions which didn't impact the game directly. As well as which, you you made the point during the Clásico again. This is what we're going to to a week ago, but I remember you making the point during the Clásico. I think on Twitter, Peter, that um. The independent, uh, the Racing, sorry, towards the end of the game. By which point, of course, Diego Milito had gone off because he went off about 20 minutes in, injured. Um, were lumping balls to a target man who wasn't actually on the pitch. 
but they, they were playing as if he was. Um, the, the, there's not been much uh, variation uh, once again in the play. They're, they're, they're playing increasingly like the racing that we've been talking about on Hand of Pod now for getting on for the last four years. Um, so we may as well end this brief five or ten minute chat about them and get on to a team who do know how to play football. Um, I dressed them up last week and I was waiting for them to, to fail. They, they were at home um, against Tigre, who of course lost their manager last week and had caretaker Fabian Castro because they couldn't bear to at least have a manager uh, who wasn't called Fabian uh, after leaving, uh, f- uh, after sacking Fabian Alegre and replaced him with Fabian Castro just for this one match. Um, and in some ways, I think it, it could have been seen as, as although River were always favourites to win and should have won. Um, it, it, it was perhaps in some ways a slightly more difficult match than, than River's previous ones because as we discussed last week one thing that um, Allegro did manage to drill into Tigre superbly was strength of defence and so it proved in fact because then let two goals into River <laughs> as opposed to three or four which the previous uh, three sides um, who, who lost to River had done um, but it finished River played two Tigre nil Martin Galmarini was sent off uh, fairly late on um, Rodrigo Mora got both goals and River once again looked head and shoulders above everyone else at the weekend no? you, you made the point Peter on Twitter that it's, slightly, it's getting slightly boring to say it now <laughs> yeah well in, I know we're only six games in and as you, a lot could happen between now and the end of the season but at this point like I said you struggle to see where the, where the competition comes from because based on the, the match that you went to on Saturday between Bellas and Newells, you'd say those two would probably offer um, the most likely candidates to challenge River, but based on how all those teams have started, and you know, after six games we're now getting a fairly good idea of, of how they're going to play, mm. <clears throat> it's beginning to, to look a bit like River, <laughs> River could run away with it. I mean, the fact that Independiente, who we already talked about, are on le- a level with Newells, one point behind Bellas, speaks volumes, I think, and independent and not going to challenge for the title no uh, the other thing that I noticed um, whilst I was putting the previews together for this weekend was uh, it, which is very telling we mentioned last week how few goals uh, River have conceded uh, two now in six matches um, but, but the other really telling stat is in the goals four column River are the only club so far in the division who have managed to hit double figures for goals scored and they are a very good part of the way towards getting 20. They've scored 15 already. Um, whereas Vélez, Newell's Central, Estudiantes, Atlético, and there's one other club, I think. Oh, no, that's it. Um, those That lot have all scored nine. So River have scored two-thirds more goals than anyone else in the league. And which is something that was said during the match against Tigre, at the same uh, time from the, the last uh, tournament in which River was the champion uh, River had scored five goals mm. with Ramon Diaz as a coach mm. so it's a big difference Beto Alonso I think it was Beto Alonso yes. said it, the, the River legend the, the number 10 um, for the Copa Libertadores winning side in 1986 um, gave an interview a few days ago in which he said that uh, the difference between Gachardo's River and, and Ramon Diaz's River is that Ramon Diaz's River just won every match by a goal or sometimes mm. drew them and they never really looked entirely comfortable whereas Gachardo's River are scoring that second goal killing the game off and then going for the kill um, that was a bit of a mis- mixed metaphor wasn't it killing the game off and then going for more goals let's say 
to avoid using the word kill twice in one sentence with slightly different meanings. Um, and, and basically he used it as, as an excuse to slag off Ramon Diaz, which obviously Rodolfo and Ofrio, the president, then had to had to come out and say, no, you know what, uh, Ramon played an important part for us. He, he made sure that we got the, uh, the championship win and he took that pressure off the players and that's why it, it helped them to develop in the way that they're developing now. Um, there's the dog. We've been waiting for him all <laughs> evening, listeners. They've been getting very loud for the last few evenings, which is why I've been trying not to record here as much as possible, but uh, we apologise for them. Um, what what do you think, Andres, particularly Andres as the River fan, um, uh, Ramon Diaz's legacy is going to be for this River Plate? Obviously, his legacy for River Plate as an institution is, is enormous, as we already know, like Carlos Bianchi's for Boca. But this most recent iteration, let's say, of, of, of Diaz's river uh, coming in in the next sort of couple of years, how 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 long a shadow do you think he's going to cast? Well, the, the time goes very very fast because after only six, six matches, official matches, uh, or the of the torneo transition, um, it's like the the Ramon Diaz's river looks very far away, quite far away, and and uh, this of course Gallardo is. To blame because of that, uh, for that, and uh, yes, any can tell you, anyone can tell you that this this uh, river is is more shining than 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 the one that uh, played the last tournament and won, and and which is you you can't compare at this time of the championship because uh, well we have to see the final final results. What I have to say is that, in this case, the the, the, the players uh, that are uh, uh, that with Gallardo as, as a coach are like more convinced, are like fully confident, and they are they know what to do, how to do it, and they do it perfectly. Mm. It's like like they aren't robots, but it's it's as the it is as, as if they were given orders and they can do those things perfectly. With no mistakes. It's like watching, almost, yes. well, I don't want to speak too soon, but it's almost like watching modern football yes. in Argentina. <laughs> How has this happened? Well, that, the, that is... Young uh, manager coming in, Donofrio, uh, Donofrio, bloody hell, no, Rodolfo Arroa Barrena comes into Boca and, and there's a similar, almost night and day transformation. After... Something that, that, that we have many times have called for on hand of pod. Not that we're suggesting that uh, the directors of River Plate and Boca Juniors listen to us personally, um, but is you know a, a, an escape from old managers always coming in and doing the same tricks and expecting them to work the same way in a game that's moved on ten years, and now suddenly we've got two relatively young managers, relatively forward-thinking managers, um, once again as we mentioned last week, who are so far appear to be doing a good job. Obviously, Gachardo on a slightly higher level than Arroa Barrena for the moment. but Gallardo, Coca, Arroa Barrena, Almirón, Almeida, those are like the new... Barros Esquelotto. Yes. Um, with Newells it's a little bit hard to tell because bizarrely they've had quite a high turnover of managers since Martino left, um, considering that they have such continuity in their overall thinking. Um, but another uh, real... Flatter, no, that's not the word at all. An endorsement of, of uh, the way that River are playing at the moment um, came yesterday from the board at Arsenal de Sarandi. Peter's already sighing at what I'm about to say. 
when it was announced by Arsenal de Sarandi, who were Rivers hosts this coming weekend, that tickets to go and see that match for non-club members will be set at the paltry sum, the almost nothing really, they're practically giving them away for a mere 3,000 pesos for non-members, um, which I tweeted yesterday at the official exchange rate is about 370 US dollars and at the black market exchange rate is about 240 US dollars. Um, <clears throat> what to say to that? It's clearly not an actual endorsement of, of uh, same, Rivers. Same amount of money style. for perhaps a first round of World Cup match? Yeah. More. More? We, at this point, we actually can, although he said he was only going to listen, we can introduce uh, Neil Clark, who arrived a few <laughs> minutes ago, and who went to the World Cup. Neil, how much did your tickets cost? The, uh, the face value, the cheapest, were $90. There were three bands, $90, $120, and $180, I believe. So, so almost three so times. Considerably more, in fact. Than, uh, so you could go to every group much. game. <laughs> you could go to all three of your teams <laughs> yeah. for less, if you got the, the band ones. Yeah. Uh, for less than, than going to see Arsenal de Sarandi against River Plate. The reason that Arsenal are doing that, clearly, is not actually because they want to cash in on River fans going. It's not actually because um, they want to cash in on Arsenal fans who are desperate to see this new machina uh, Riverside. It's because they want to put River fans off going. In fact, uh, they, they don't want the extra security costs. Um, and uh, we suspect... I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, fellow hand of Podder, Santi, um, who, as, as many regular listeners will already be aware, is an Arsenal fan, one of the few, um, uh, does suspect that there are going to be at least a few people who will actually cough up that money. That is equivalent for, uh, to about... It's about one and a half times my monthly rent, um, to give people an idea of how much it is for a, a typical Argentine. Andres, you, you own your flat, don't you? So you can't rent. But it, it's, it's a considerable portion. Um, yes, it's, of, it's uh, like a two, two, two rooms, uh, apartment rent for yeah. one month. Yeah, yeah. Yes, more or less. Um, so, so we're talking a lot of money um, for, for the average fan. Um, but yeah, it's a security option. Uh, maybe I should start charging for non-human occupants of the building uh, 3,000 pesos and then we'll see whether those noises still happen in the background when we record here but what did, did the, the the board member or the, the it was called Carlos Bueno uh, same name that, like the striker that played for San Lorenzo mm. when he was asked why didn't he why, why didn't they just didn't sell tickets to non-members yeah yes. that, that's what I wonder did he give an answer I didn't know they'd asked him I think that they, that he said that they, he didn't uh, want they they didn't want to close just close the doors and if they there was someone that wanted to play to pay that sum of money they could go. There he think. says. Um, he says first of all that the away stand will be closed. The idea is to prevent um, pe uh, fans of River from coming, and if anybody can pay the money, then they'll be able, they'll they'll be allowed in. Um, but the idea of putting the money so high is in the price so high, sorry, is indeed to, to prevent them coming. Um, so there is. It a, doesn't say anything about why they just didn't. So there is a, a, an related. intention of, of cashing man something because. Well, clearly, yeah. Yeah. Isn't isn't there an irony in that the kind of people who most likely might have that money would be the Barra Bravas, the head of the Barra Brava? But yes. they don't pay for tickets. No, 
But I don't think Donofrio's presidency. I think. Well, I guess we're murky on whether or not Donofrio will give them tickets. Donofrio made a very public thing when he first came in as the president, mm. saying that there were no more tickets going to the Barras. Mm. How much he's followed through on that, I don't know. We'll have to ask your friend Eric. Uh, yeah, no, we, no, we, no I just wondered. The pod. But if if they if they're not getting the free tickets, then who who would have the money? Maybe but let's not would, forget, there wouldn't have been yeah. free tickets for this game anyway for the away Barra because there are no away fans allowed. Sorry, in yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this is this has come about as a result of Godoy Cruz doing the same thing well, yeah. for the Copa Sudamericana and for the league match previously. The first phrase that Pasarela said when he became president in 2009 was "Se acabó la joda." They will fact. Mm. They will be fact. The, the Parabrevas won't be allowed. The games. The game's uh, over. The fucking yeah. about is over. Yeah. Tickets won't be uh, given as a present. A lot of things that weren't. Uh, then, of course, they promised and. Passarella was clearly from the beginning a less principled person than Rodolfo uh, Donofrio appears to be. Um, but another good example, of course, is Peter's club, Independiente, where Javier Cantero came in on a very specific mandate to get rid of them and they ate him alive, basically. Um, so there we go, but we're not going to get bogged down in Barra Brava talk uh, too much. We're going to now go away Sorry. for a little bit of... Uh, <laughs> um, we're, we're now going to go away for uh, a bit of a, a glass refill, and we shall come back, and we will talk about the nonsense that Andres mentioned um, at the beginning of the show in passing, and we will discuss precisely what that nonsense was. So don't go away. during that break just continued about Arsenal uh, and Andres is just before the music ended for you listeners at least um, made the very good point that um, by putting on sale tickets that Arsenal could just as easily have said weren't available at all it ensures that even if say 10 River fans turn up Arsenal gets to take in 30,000 pesos which is a very significant chunk maybe not of their normal um, gate receipts but of, um, well, in fact, yes, it's their normal game receipts because most of the people who go to their games normally are just members and don't pay to get in at all or pay 100 pesos for the platea. But also, it's a very significant chunk of what they have to pay for the policing of the match. Um, so, to that respect, maybe it works in some way and becomes a bit less confusing. All the same, it's ridiculous. Um, and another thing that is ridiculous, as ever, are, is the Argentine Football Association, um, who on Wednesday, we record on Thursday evening, um, decided that no actually let's not talk about Wednesday let's talk about a couple of weeks ago first of all um, when it was uh, announced out of the blue that rather than being one midweek round during the Torneo de Transición which was the fourth I think yeah fourth round um, there were going to be two and that the second one would be round nine 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 sounds right um, and that it would be they're doing this every night, these dogs. Sometimes it gets louder than that. I swear, I don't know what on earth they're... You hear things falling over. Um, animals. Have we stopped? Nope. There they are again. Anyway, what was I saying before I was so rudely interrupted? Um, 
they, they decided there was going to be another midweek round, that it was going to be the ninth of, uh, the, sorry, the ninth of something, no, the, the ninth round of the Torneo de Transition, which meant the tenth round would be played a week earlier than was already scheduled, i.e. on the original date before Grandona died, <laughs> the original uh, date that it was scheduled for, um, which was the round in which the Super Classico was going to be played. So, of course, lots of tourists, lots of River fans, because it's being played at River Stadium, uh, maybe from other parts of Argentina, tear up their, their tickets that they've got to come into Buenos Aires on that particular weekend and book new ones for a week previously. And they announced yesterday that, no, you know what, we're not going to have that midweek round after all. The Super Classic goes back to the original day. And, 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 so and then it was announced about four times in the space of three or four hours that it was or wasn't going to be chopped and changed and they said no we can't do this we can't do that at the same time then Racing started a big fuss about their Copa Argentina game with Argentinos Juniors they want it delayed um, until sometime in October it's going to be played next Wednesday it was scheduled for next Wednesday um, Racing said no we want it delayed because we have, we've got two strikers who were injured yeah. Gabriel Alchain and uh, Diego Milito are both injured so we can't possibly play Copa Argentina no. and they almost got that as so that was on and off as well and there was a big fuss and this is all happening yesterday afternoon at the same time there was a big fuss about when River um, were going to play Godoy Cruz and when Boca were going to host Central um, in the Copa Sudamericana second legs because of course those two sides can't both play at home on the same night and, and that's not me being borderline sarcastic and saying oh no that just can't happen it's, uh, it, it, it clearly is um, it makes complete sense from a security point of view to not have the two biggest clubs in the country both playing in the same city at uh, home on the same evening. Um, yes, they changed the Copa Sudamericana days of, of River against Cody Cruz and, and Boca against Rosario Central. The final well. shot is yes. Racing Argentinos is next Wednesday afternoon-ish. River versus Godoy Cruz is next Wednesday evening, 21.15. And Boca versus Central is also next no, it's, sorry, it's next Thursday at 21.15. That's right, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. And the Super Classico is happening on the first weekend of October Two, rather than on the second last weekend of, October, of September. Yeah. This was Phew. like the beginning. Uh, at the beginning, it was like this. Then they changed and uh, and put a, a, a midweek round, the 25. So the, the, the Super Classico will be played the 26th or 25th of, of September, so in two weeks' time. And then twenty eighth of September, yeah. Okay. Well, and 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 then they, they they went back to the original dates. So, as a consequence, consequence there are two things that changed, which is the uh, players' vacations are again uh, uh, from the seventh of December and not the thirtieth of November, as the trade union mm. of players asked. Well, this is not. Do you know why? Um, Footballistas Agremiados, which is the, the trade union. Do you know why they asked it to be to start from November, Andres? Because the Argentine season has finished in early December before without any problems. Yes. What, why have they got such a problem with the, well, they, they the number had of matches to, next year coming in with the new championship? In order to, to take the one-month vacations uh, with no delays and 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 be, be, again, be again to the training sessions or the pre-season mm. sessions uh, with the proper time and and if there is a, for example, a, a, a playoff or something uh, to play against the, the regular season or regular tournament, mm. there wouldn't be any dates available. Okay. But uh, and, and apart from that, if tourists have tickets ticket reservations, they have to again move move the dates because they they they, 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 they as as we said, uh, 
that was uh, the date was two second of October, then the twenty something of September, and then again the so if there are tourists that really want to come, well, tell them <laughs> finally when will be the. Just keep keep talking over them. I'm, I'm not going to cut it's this. Not, it's going to be fast. It's not just tourists, is it? I mean, it, it's it's a big match. It's the big match for all River fans and Boca fans. That, that's and, and the country. True. No, that, that's obviously true. But first of all, for Boca fans, it doesn't matter because they're not going to be attending. Right, but but no. But for, for the vast majority, your day, for the vast majority if you're watching of people, on the TV, are, you might plan your day around it. Well, sure, know. yeah. But for the vast majority of people who are going to be attending the match, mm. it actually doesn't make much of a difference which weekend it's on because the vast majority of them live in Buenos Aires. Mm. Um, there are going to be okay more River fans than normal in the stadium who would not normally be at the match. But still, the vast majority of people in the stadium are going to be people who would have been there the previous weekend are going to be in Buenos Aires the, the next weekend as well. And so the people who it really does screw about are tourists who are buying the, the package, packages yeah. who might well be listening to this, maybe. Um, and, as I mentioned earlier, River fans who've maybe got a once-in-a-lifetime ticket to come to the Super Classico who live in Patagonia, Mendoza, Corrientes, the North, Misiones, whatever... And they're coming to Buenos Aires for one of the first times in their life, get the first chance in their life to go to a river game, and it's the Super Classico. And they've spent a lot of money to get those tickets, they've spent a lot of money to get to Buenos Aires that weekend as well. Uh, it's just something that's so hard to understand, isn't it, when you're not from Argentina? Indeed. But um, if, you're, if you're listening to this, and if you are one of the people <laughs> who has a, a package deal to go to the Super Classico, as things stand at the moment, it is still on Sunday the 5th of October. Uh, Keep your ears peeled, is, is what I would say. There's every chance that it might yet move once again to the 28th of September, but that is in two weeks' time. So it looks very much at the moment like it's going to be the 5th of October. By the way, River said that they will try to, to refund the money to the supporters that can, can't attend to the match on Wednesday because originally it was on Thursday for Copa Sudamericana against Holy Cruz. Against Cruz right. So that's a big, another change which is not big as, as, as one week to another but it's the match is next week and, and it's yeah people get nights off work Mariana yes. does it all the time gets the evening off work to, yes. to get to San Lorenzo games um, and so on Yeah, as a result of which he, he couldn't come last week in fact because we changed our night yeah. there's the irony isn't it <laughs> is they it? just they just um, don't seem to consider the fans do they, when they make these decisions well the answer certainly don't but the other thing is that this is something that's now happened with okay Leaving aside the one-week delay to the season that happened after Grandona died, because that's something that probably, if it had been a similarly large figure, would have happened under Grandona's affair anyway. But it's happened already this season four or five times. This isn't the first week that we've talked about. Not not maybe on this level of moving an entire week and, and chopping and changing, but we've had arguments over fixtures so many times. And under Grandona, it simply didn't happen. There was the local the the national up, strike. So know what we want. Uh, yeah, right. That was it. A of weeks ago, and and, and and we didn't know whether the Thursday matches were going to get played at that midweek run, and then it looked like the Wednesday games weren't going to get played as well at six o'clock on Tuesday evening. And, yeah. um, and uh, one thing, it, it's as you say, Neil, because Boca have requested it, it's worth uh, mentioning. This isn't; these aren't the, the ramblings of a mad River fan trying to find conspiracy theories. Um, do you, do you think there's a uh, power vacuum now in AFA since Conor and I didn't To a certain extent, a power but it's also on. worth pointing out that Juan Carlos Crespi, who is the vice president of Boca Juniors, is now the 
well, officially still the second vice president of the AFA. Um, if you look on the AFA website, it doesn't list Luis Segura as president at, at the moment. It, it lists him as first vice president a- acting as mm. president. Um, but Juan Carlos Crespi is, is listed as second vice president. So in effect, Juan Carlos Crespi is now the first vice president of the AFA. Um, and he, I, I, I suspect that this stuff about getting the midweek round that was going to have midweek matches followed a couple of days later by the Super Classical. Um, having that cancelled means that now both River and Boca get a full week to prepare for the Super Classical. I don't think that it's coincidental that Crespi is, is a, an AFA vice president and also heavily linked with Boca. Um, that's not to say that River and their fans and their particularly the technical staff and the players are not going to also be delighted at having a week to prepare for the match um, but I do think that, that it's probably not coincidental that that, uh, that an official from one of those two clubs had a lot to do with moving the, the match back let's say by a week um, and I think we can probably expect a lot more of it under well at least if, if either River or Boca have one of the two vice presidential positions at AFA now we can probably expect a lot more fucking about with the future list to be honest I think this is my theory now. We'll see in a, in a year or two's time whether it actually ends up being borne out in the I long meant, term. But. I'm meant to be going to watch uh, Argentinos Juniors this weekend. They're at home. I'm going with uh, Dan. And we can't work out if the match is on Sunday or Monday. We can't work it out. Not Saturday? No, it's... Well, that hasn't... It, it's either Sunday or Monday. Some places say Sunday, some places say Monday. <laughs> but if they're meant to be playing on Wednesday as well, did you say... Yeah, it's going to be on Monday, Sunday. No, it's got to be on Saturday or Sunday, then, surely. Who knows? Dan looked on the AFA website. Ra- Ra- Racing against Argentina or something in the Copa Argentina is definitely next Wednesday. For now. <laughs> By the time <laughs> this gets online, it might be definitely next Thursday. Who knows? Um, but there we go. This is the crazy world of Argentine football administration. Um, and that match is only three days away, or four days away. Yeah. We, we can't plan our days. No. <laughs> Look how important Granona was that uh, when they, the AFA decided to, to postpone the matches because of the national strike, and to postpone all matches, not only the, the ones that were going to be played the day of the strike, that Rodolfo D'Onofrio uh, was interviewed on TNC, TNC Sports, and he complained and said, hey, we weren't, uh, uh, they didn't ask us if the, we wanted to postpone our matches. This is mm. untidy, this is not good. And after that, what happened? AFA said, well, okay, play, matches are, play, are being played. So no, it's not a strong uh, association. It's like, well, if you, if you are not comfortable, okay, we change. If he's not comfortable, we change again. It's like... It's a power battle. And in yeah. fact, Beli Goy, the referee for, for Boca Racing um, this weekend, who we talked about briefly earlier, gave an interview on television a couple of days ago in which one of the things that he said was, I don't think there's anything wrong with Juan Carlos Crespi uh, acting in the interests of his club as an AFA official. There's no... Which struck me is, and it's something that I've heard lots of, of complaints um, about from fans of various clubs here. I've seen San Lorenzo fans complain about it. I saw River fans complain about it on one of the radio shows I was at when River got relegated and when they got promoted again. Uh, no, sorry, when they got promoted and uh, the season afterwards. Uh, I was I was back a year later, and uh, they they were complaining that, that River had lost 
their position at the AFA. They'd lost the influence that they had at the AFA via one of the vice presidential positions, via whatever it was that, that one of their previous uh, board members had. Um, and there's not seen as anything here. It, it's seen as very natural to, I guess, to try and play most of the game in the boardroom, right? There's not seen as anything in, in, in England Correct. if that happens. Yeah. People yes. would say, hang on, there's a clear conflict of interest here. Mm-hmm. You can't have a club vice president who's also the vice president of the FA. Mm. Um, so and, and, and you'd have to separate his duties. Club. You'd, you'd have to act in a neutral manner, or you'd have to step down from your club position to, to do it, as Segura has done, for instance. He's no longer uh, at least the acting president of Argentinos. There's someone else doing it for him. I don't know the person's name. Obviously, Segura is still linked with Argentinos, but um, uh, but, but but he's not allowed to, to to have anything to do with the day to day. And yet, at vice presidential level of the AFA which as we've already seen in the last couple of weeks, Crespi has already had an enormous influence on. Um, there were even talks about uh, the the general strike stuff on the Thursday. There were suggestions that Crespi um, and Boca as, as a whole were trying to get those matches called off, having been lent on by Mauricio Macri, the mayor of Buenos Aires, former president of Boca Juniors, um, who is Angelisi's overlord, let's say. And he'd said get the football fucked up as well just to make the government look a bit worse because he's the main political opponent of the national government and, and, and the Mianchi relatives are sure it was said a lot of times but today it was confirmed that they think really think that the, the, the Macrism is one of the, the, the reasons to his uh, sack because of he was sacked because of Macri and Mm. And, well, that Angelisi is a man of Mercury, so it's not nothing surprising. It's not surprising. So I, I mentioned a week or two ago on here that um, there, there were reports, there were whispers, um, at least that uh, the day before Bianchi got sacked, um, I, I saw mentioned that um, Macri had apparently sent Angelisi an email or, or a text or a phone call or something, quite angrily saying, "Why haven't you sacked him yet?" Why are you giving him the vote of confidence? We have to remember that a lot of times, a lot of years ago, when still Macri was still the president of Boca, uh, and he uh, contract uh, of Yanchi was uh, uh, had, had expired, expired and was not renewed. He or or, or Bert said uh, Bianchi resigned, and, and Macri like demanded from him a, a, a response telling the Boca supporters why he was leaving and, Mac, and Bianchi uh, uh, get off the, the press conference and said I, I, I don't want to say anything because contract expired and I am leaving and this is it and, and after that uh, well, a lot of people say that Bianchi was uh, Macri didn't like Bianchi and well uh, because of that uh, situation so the political intrigue yes. is endless, as it always is in Argentina. Yeah. Um, I had it pointed out to me during last weekend's action on Twitter by a, a Handapod listener that uh, he, he was a couple of weeks behind um, listening, but he did point out to me that he didn't actually have a clue who was top of the table or anything because we've not really mentioned it. On the one hand, that's partly because um, I like to employ an old-fashioned 
BBC match of the day style regime here where we don't really look at the league table until we're at least three or four matches in because it doesn't mean anything. On the other hand, we are now six matches in, so we should at least talk about the main comings and goings and the positions. Um, in the Torneo de Transición, at present, as we've already mentioned, River Plate lead uh, with 16 points from six matches. Vélez Sarsfield are second on 13 points. Newells, who are the only other club other than River, who are still unbeaten, have 12, as do Independiente, as Peter mentioned earlier. Fifth and sixth, Central and Lanús with 10 points, and then we've got a bunch of teams on nine. Um, and then going down to eight and so on. Bottom of the lot, somewhat surprisingly, are the champions of South America, San Lorenzo, who we haven't even mentioned this weekend. Or no, in fact, we have. should mention the news very barely yesterday. Game in hand, I said they've got. They have got a game in hand against Olimpo, who are second bottom, uh, and in fact on the same number of points of those. The news from yesterday, Peter, what could you possibly be talking about? The uh, Estadio Papa Francisco. Oh, I thought you were talking about the other piece of news from yesterday, which, which ties in neatly to what we were talking about a minute ago, which is that Marcelo Dinelli, the vice president of San Lorenzo, has just been made head of communications at the AFA. I was named... Uh, which just the mind boggles. He's and also named cultural personality. Yes, and he's also been named an uh, uh, <laughs> important cultural figure by but the city of Buenos Aires. There's a lot of culture in his shows, though, isn't there? Oh, TV shows. endless culture. culture. Yeah, they're uh, high art. Who, who <laughs> was the, 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 the owner of the idea of naming him personality of, or cultural personality? Who knows? A former, a former uh, board member of Boca, who is a, a Macri man at the uh, Buenos Aires, uh, how do you say it, legislatura. Oh, really? Yes. Very interesting. I'm not saying that sarcastically. It might have come across sarcastically, but I, I'm, I'm serious. But uh, unfortunately, we, we don't have much time to dwell on it. But Peter's quite right. San Lorenzo announced the name of their new stadium um, yesterday. It is to be opened in 2016. Ha! Yeah, we'll see. Um, and it's called Estadio Papa Francisco, which is probably the most predictable name that anybody in with San Lorenzo could possibly have come out with isn't it I thought it might be the Tinelli Stadium <laughs> apart from that yeah, that would have been funnier <laughs> that would have definitely been funnier um, but yes it, the artist's impressions look lovely although they're rather low resolution it must be said yeah I'd be Brainy. surprised if it looks anything like those <laughs> I'd be extremely surprised if it's open in that state in two years time <laughs> Yeah, I'll be um, astonished. Given that they haven't even broken ground on it yet, the supermarket's still there at the moment, I believe. Um, but as as we've mentioned throughout, uh, although we do mock them from time to time, and, and we think that 2016 is possibly a slightly ambitious target in a country like Argentina to match for a to reach um, for a construction project of that size, uh, we genuinely do wish San Lorenzo all the best um, when it comes to returning to their original home because, well, they should be there, frankly, and democracy calls for it as well. Uh, it will be important for Argentina, not just for Argentine football, when they go back because of the reasons that were linked to the dictatorship for which they were forced out of that site. But at the moment, we're just going to laugh at them for being bottom of the Torneo de Transición, as well as being champions of South America. Really? I, I, mean, I just get Probably not. I get the impression now it's kind of like, we're just I waiting suspect, to play in I Morocco. I'd be getting slightly frustrated if I was Edgar or Bowser, though, the manager. I mean, they don't want to finish in a completely humiliating no, position. No, true. Um, and they want to try and build on the title they've won, surely. They don't, they don't just want it to be, yes, we can finally say we've won the Libertadores, and in six months' time, we might as well have won it 40 years ago. Um, You'd hope so, yeah. He did, I did see some quotes from him in the newspaper, the Bowser de San Lorenzo manager, saying that something's wrong there, he can't, you know, something's mm. not right. Yeah, he, he said it's, 
you expect one or two of your players to go through a period of a few weeks where they're maybe not playing so well. You don't expect all of them to have it at the same time. I, I do think there's something to what Peter says. They've won the Libertadores and they've just relaxed too much. The challenge, the big challenge is done and he's, he's now got to try and motivate them. And the uh, fact that there's no relegation or averages anymore. Exactly. Well, San Lorenzo wouldn't be in danger of that anyway. In fact, one of the other things that I was going to point out was now, although there's no relegation at the end of the season, Let's have a look at what the relegation table is. At the moment, like. there isn't. That'll probably be changed tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Ole, just in case, are running the table anyway. Sorry, Andres. No, on. there is no relegation, but average is taking the account anyway. Hmm. For, pre- for following. For when? <laughs> for following average, I think it will be tables that Possibly. will take this into account. So it's Possibly, we'll see. For the moment, Independiente are top of the points average table by virtue of only having played six matches of course and scrambled oh, 12 points course, they've yes. got two points per match oh, yeah. um, there's no real point in looking at the top end other than that but it is worth pointing out I think we said at the end of last season that uh, Boca lots and lots of people were saying that Boca could go down this season before the news came in there wasn't going to be any relegation this season uh, I maintained throughout that it would take a truly disastrous season to send them down um, because they actually got quite a few points last season. They got 61 uh, last season. Um, under Bianchi, it looked like they might have been heading for that disastrous season and like they might have been able to finish low enough. Uh, but they now, since Arroba Barrena's two straight league wins, um, which, by the way, is sandwiched by a 1-1 draw in the Copa Sudamericana, which I think we mentioned last week, but I might have forgotten about. It might have been slightly after last week's show, in fact, uh, away to Rosario Central in the first leg. Um, but in the league, they have... One and a half points per match so far this season, which is actually more um, than their average. The average from the last three seasons is 1.476. They've got exactly 1.5 for this season alone. Um, the teams who would be in the relegation zone at present, if we still had the previous relegation structure, no real surprise to hear this. Defensives, this year, Danfield and Tigre. Those are pretty much the three sides that we'd have picked out if, if we'd asked ourselves before I looked at the list. Right? Yeah, I guess the worrying thing... They've all looked it, crap. Well, it's not worrying because there is the relegation, but if you were Gilmez and Edgar Rafaela, mm. the fact that Banfield and Defence and Ussistia could benefit, like Independiente, from having just a couple of wins and all of a sudden their average shoots up and they get out. And Absolutely. This is why talking about relegation in Argentina <laughs> is such a confusing thing to do. Here's some more music. We'll come back and we'll answer the, I think, two or three, uh, if that, listeners' questions that we have had this week. Don't go away. We've only had, let's see, yes we've had two this week. The first is from Sasha, who said, says, how did Denis Strakwalursi end up in Ecuador? Aeroplane? He came back to Tigre, he went of course on loan to Everton for a season and actually became, I believe... I haven't been back to, to England in almost two years, but from the Twitter followers who message me uh, from time to time, I believe he became something of a cult figure at Everton, mainly because he did quite well in his first few matches. 
but he then came back to Tigre after Everton decided not to take Everton took someone else they spent the money on Kevin Morales or somebody yeah, does that sound right? right yeah. there was another centre forward who played on it was halfway through the season yeah. it was kind of let's say on a slightly smaller scale and a slightly less spectacular goal scoring record but not dissimilar to Manchester City with Alvaro Negredo last season Alvaro Negredo last season hit 23 goals by January then got injured did his shoulder and when he came back towards the end of the season he did his ankle and now they've shipped him off back to Valencia or somebody um, and Strakwanosi seemed to sort of possibly a slightly similar path in the slightly less high profile yeah. situation obviously and not quite scoring 23 <laughs> goals by January <laughs> because then Everton really would have been stupid not to take him on um, and came back to Tigre and did alright I think he just got used to to foreign money if I'm being completely blunt <laughs> yeah. one thing that's just occurred to me while I was saying that is that the does anybody know what the currency is in Ecuador I do you told me the American dollar it was in the quiz the other night the American dollar is the currency in Ecuador um, which is something that's very hard to get hold of in Argentina so that's the answer the question without question <laughs> not, not that I want to suggest that Strapolosi has gone there purely for the green but it might very literally be the case but no um the Ecuadorian League has quite a large Argentine influence, of course. The man we've just been talking about, Edgardo Bausa, San Lorenzo manager, had a lot of success there, um, as did uh, and have various other managers. Um, the young guy who was in charge of Racing, whose name's just escaped me, and then it was... Subaldia. Subaldia, thank you. Luis Subaldia. Um, is, is managing in Ecuador at the moment, no? He's gone back there. I don't know. He I, was there. I, Between Lanús and Racing, he went there, and I think he's gone back. Barcelona. If he was at Barcelona, no, I know yeah. right now the, the the team, but he 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 was in at Barcelona in the past. So the answer I think that Sasha is looking for is why is he not in Europe? I suspect that's the the thrust of his question, and um, I genuinely don't don't know about that. After his first few months in Ecuador, and indeed from what we all saw and at, 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 at Tigre as well, I think we'd have taken him to. A if European you go to club. the Spanish Wikipedia site and you type any Stracolosi, you will find that it's stated there that he has no club right now. Oh really? Because I'm, I'm doing this as Andres talks, so we shall see. Let's have a look. Because Emelec was stated that he will leave Emelec, and now we I not, really don't know if he's right there or or finally. Uh, his his contract was was uh, uh, expired or, or something like that. It does indeed say that he's currently without a club, which is really bizarre. But if you go to the English, he's twenty six years old. Yes. But if you go to the English site, it says that he actually is at Emelec. Yeah, so but I, I would trust in in this instance. I think that the Spanish one is more likely to get updated um, more quickly. Let's say, but it's bizarre that the goals. I mean, throughout his career, he's slightly over a one in no a touch under a one in three striker yes. which is by no means a bad record when he is good at bringing other players into, well, into play as well at, at Emelec he's better than one in two there, there's the key point in fact although he is a cult hero at Everton according to his Wikipedia statistics he scored three goals in 28 matches um, so that possibly is why he hasn't got a European chance um, but that does mean of course that his goals per game average is sh- has shot up elsewhere uh, particularly Tigre where he's got 21 and 38 I'll, I'll, I'll 28, those 28 appearances were a lot of them as sub yeah I'd imagine yeah of course they were yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for pointing well, that I out. think that now with uh, Gustavo Alfaro who is the new 
Tigre coach. Uh, if he is asked, I think he would uh, like to take uh, Stracolis into account because he he was in the past a, a good striker for them. And I think Stracolis they're allowed to sign players on free transfers who are not registered by a club in yes. the middle of the season, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. yes. They are. If they are free, they yes, they can. Renzo are trying to sign. And River players. could sign Sigliano, and which is who is not uh, at Elias Verona anymore. And Isn't it? So yes. That didn't last long. Yes. He he was uh, training with That's the nice. reserves. So blimey. Well, good for him for wanting first team football anyway. Um, but yeah, maybe it could be worth maybe if you can find a betting market for it, sticking some money on Strapolos and returning to Tigre for a second time. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, the other question this evening is from Toby Millard, who asks an almost impossible to answer question, which is, who are the most interesting and insightful football pundits on Argentine television? Cripes. Uh, the first thing to mention is that they really don't exist in the way that you'll see them on British television, in that there's no analysis whatsoever of live matches. You don't get now back to the studio for a chat about how the first half's gone and how the second half went. None of that happens on either Argentine or on um, on continental South American for the Libertadores and Sudamericana. Um, but in terms of the analysis of games, it tends to happen on, on Sunday nights and on Mondays. I would say certainly not the people who do Paso a Paso, which is the Sunday night um, match of the day equivalent, which actually starts half an hour before the final Sunday night game finishes normally, which is a, another minus point for it um, I quite like the other guys on the other taste though, which I can't remember the name of the one that's on on Mondays at, around lunchtime which no, Horacio Elizondo is on my mate Horacio right. um, referee. the referee yes who, who Estudio I Football uh, Estudio Football thank you Andres yeah, I, I, except the guy is it Pagani the old guy who shouts a lot he doesn't know how to do anything but yell at people he's a, he's a dickhead um, <laughs> apart from him I don't mind that show um, I, I but generally, always, yeah. it's kind of slim pickings. I, I always quite liked um, Perfumo, Roberto Perfumo, oh, yes. when he was on the TV. He's on ESPN, ESPN isn't he? Yes. But I always think he's good. He's knowledgeable and he's articulate. He also has a column in Olé that I always think is quite good. If you, you talk, talk, talk about serious, seriousness, perhaps, Hablemos de Football, which is the show in which Perfumo is. Yes, it's. I think it's more serious. Uh, Studio football uh, now with the. Uh, no, sorry. Simplemente football is Kike Wolf. It's not yes, that, not yes. Yeah, uh, yes. football is someone else. I forgot. Yes. Sorry, Andres. Keep talking. No, 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 I think that if you if you, they are asking for a show which is serious, perhaps hablemos de football on ESPN. Yes, I'd agree with that. More, perhaps. Yeah. And what, what, Bermudis is on that, isn't he? The patron, patron, the old Boca, yes. Boca player. I've seen him on that. Is he any good? Do you think as a pundit? He he was very critical with uh, Bianchi's uh, role at Boca. The le- of course, the latest, not when he was uh, defender because he, he he was successful. But uh, yeah, I think he he's decent. I like no more. Most of the former players that now are uh, journalists, uh, that they, they are not real journalists, but they understand the game. And Someone told me La Diego Latore was quite good. Yes, yes. Latore is very good. He's on Fox, Fox Sports. Yes. Um, um, my Twitter followers will occasionally see me refer to something called Fox Sports Radio de Plata, um, and it's it's a show 
It's on Fox Sports television pro, uh, television channel. It's also broadcast on Radio de Plata for about two or three hours every night. Um, and yeah, La Torre is quite good. He, is that the one with Porsche? Yes, it's the one that uh, Vignolo, Sebastián Porsche Vignolo um, presents, um, and Diego La Torre is on it, the former uh, Boca Juniors um, striker, best known for the partnership that he struck up with Gabriel Batistuta at, at Boca. Um, and yeah, he, he's, he's quite good. He comes across as slightly too eager to take the piss at times, <laughs> to not be entirely serious, yeah. but as, as Argentine pundits go, yeah. I think he's pretty decent. Um, yeah. but the, um, is the old guy stood around who used to do the Sunday night football Macaya Macaya Macasha Martinez Macasha Martinez Macasha Martinez uh, he Martinez. Started, didn't he he's after no, an Argentina game or something last year he, he's now at the indirecto he's a show from Teixeira oh he still does indirect oh ok yes. because before the football de todos used to have the equivalent of match of the day didn't yeah. football dip and yeah. football football dip Rivera, which is now on Fox Sports on Monday afternoons ah right and he used to present it or at least it. the name is it's not mm. a, but yeah that you, that's the show that if um, any of our listeners in the UK used to watch uh, on the Thursday night slash Friday morning at about 5 o'clock in the morning if they ever used to record um, the Channel 5 Argentine football highlight show that used to be on about 10 years ago or 12 years ago that's the show that it was. It, they put an English language voiceover over the football de primera highlights. Because um, he, yeah. he used to present that and analyse the games a little bit, and I always thought he was quite good. I, don't know. He reti- I think he retired last year after one of the Argentina friendlies. And by the time he retired, at least, he had a sort of reputation of being perhaps slightly senile. And <laughs> <laughs> He's very good, and he, ha- he has attended a lot of. He certainly world, used to be. <laughs> world Cups. What I don't like about him is that he. When there is a magnificent goal, he always shows the mistake of the defender. Mm. It's like, well, but there was a, a, a defender's foul, foul. So, it's but well, he he he's. Uh, I felt a bit like that on Sunday though, because River Plate's first goal, Rodrigo Mora's first goal, it has to be said, was beautiful to watch. Fourteen pass move, ending with a crossover, a chested pass from Carlos Sanchez and Rodrigo Mora allowing the ball to come across his body and then just swinging it beautifully with his left foot into the top corner but when they showed the replays I found myself just looking and thinking the defenders have just made no no effort whatsoever to close Sanchez down for that pass That's, I mean Mora allowing the ball across yeah, maybe you can get there maybe you can't but they should have been on Sanchez they shouldn't have allowed him but to this chest is, it down I think this is provoked by River because it's like the rivals now don't know what they were what they will do Maybe. so it's like more they're expecting something I'm just saying that the grumpy old fart thing of pointing out defensive mistakes I think sometimes can be justified possibly um, anyway the next music listeners because those were the only two questions that we had tonight uh, we feel very unloved please ask more next week <laughs> uh, but the next music that you hear is Mystic Sam's theme music Mystic Sam is up and running now by the way four out of ten last weekend perhaps perhaps listeners are, are, are like like I don't know when we will record 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 that like, like, like it the, could well be that yeah cause, uh, like the AFA that they are changing the dates and we everything's so up in the air at the moment yes. uh, if you do want to ask us a question at some point during the week and we can record it then then feel free just tweet us and and uh, at hand of pod um, and and we'll look into it uh, but for now here's Mystic Sam's theme music and when you come back you will hear Mystic Sam's weekend predictions. Here we go. 
the first game, the only Friday evening game, is between Gimnasia y Esgrima La Plata and Defensa y Justicia. And given that next week, which we've not talked about at all, <coughs> Gimnasia have got a, uh, a Copa Sudamericana Clásico de la Plata coming up, followed a few days later by a league Clásico de la Plata, and therefore are planning on resting eight of their starting eleven for this match against Defensa y Justicia. I'm going for a Defensa y Justicia win. It will not surprise anybody to hear. Um, Tigre versus Rosario Central. I think that Tigre can turn things around from their recent form. It's uh, Gustavo Alfaro's first match in charge. We didn't mention Gustavo Alfaro earlier, but he was named as Tigre manager. Well, he was named as Tigre manager Friday last week, but he was unveiled as Tigre manager on Monday. Um, I'm going for a Tigre victory. Atletico de Rafaela against Estudiantes de la Plata. Again, for the same reasons as Gimnasia, I think Estudiantes is going to be distracted, and I think Atletico can get the win. Independiente against Quilmes. Peter, your thoughts? No, seriously, come on. That, that's a home win, for sure. Peter. For sure, remember <laughs> that, for sure. Quilmes <laughs> will start with the, an early goal and then Independiente will get the 2 1. 2 1 with a last minute goal from uh, LA Mancunation. Mystic, <laughs> Mystic Sam is going for a draw. Uh, for similar reasons that Peter actually mentioned earlier about Independiente, not entirely convincing. Um, so far Lanús versus Banfield it's the Clásico the Clásico del Sur which we have single-handedly completely and totally failed to preview or even mention up to this point on the podcast it's a big Clásico watch it uh, there's the preview um, <laughs> I'm going for a Lanús victory particularly because Walter Eviti is apparently out with injury um, although what the injury is has not been reported by the press he just has an injury Belgrano versus Vélez Sarsfield. I'm going for a draw in that one as well. San Lorenzo against Godoy Cruz, I think is going to be a draw. Boca Juniors versus Racing Club. Boca victory. Sure. I might go to that. Home. I think, I think Racing are already that. paranoid about the referee five mm. days. Were already paranoid about the referee five I, days before. I agree. And I think that Boca are then going to have three wins on the on the bounce since changing manager mm. and everyone are going to start thinking oh they've really turned the core out and it's particularly quite... if they do well a few days later against Central in the Sudamericana and get through yeah I'll take that as a bigger test because frankly them against Racing in the Rombonera I, I'd take and with Racing's injury problems yeah Racing of course have got Centurion suspended and they've got both Gabriel Auche and Diego Melito injured and they, so they basically have, they're front three in a 4-3 they have to lose <laughs> against injured. they have to lose against Rosario Central or or get a draw, a two-two or three-three draw yeah. in order to get the, the first leg of out of the one. Copa. So I'm not, but even when Boca win, I'm still not buying into the the, the, the sort of ref, the changes going on there. Even yeah, if we'll see. I, I think Arroyo Arena has clearly had a positive effect, but I, I I'd agree. I think there's a bit more caution to be exercised still. Um, Arsenal versus River Plate. I mean, you'd have to be insane not to bet on River to win um, at the moment. It might not happen, but the form book points that way. And Monday evening, or Monday night football, as we like to call it in Argentina, um, Newell's Old Boys versus Olimpo de Bahia Blanca. I think that Newell's will get the victory um, in that one. Olimpo poor at home, and Newell's, as I said earlier, one of just two sides still unbeaten in the league. Odds for Arsenal will be pretty high, I think, in the Arsenal versus River match. If you want good odds and a higher chance of a home victory than Arsenal against River 
I would say that the uh, Tigre match is the one to look for. Yeah. Mostly because I think Alfaro, you know, you can get a new manager bounce. I'm not saying he's necessarily going to win it, but given Tigre's recent form, I think the odds are going to be far longer. Um, Arsenal against River is going to have very big odds, but that's because it simply isn't going to happen. <laughs> to, to put it bluntly, um, I think that's it for this week. No, we're going to get down to the pub now and meet one of our erstwhile listeners um, who is waiting for us there. Yes, it is nine o'clock. It's, it's time to get going. Um, so, thank you very much, listeners, for joining us as ever. Um, your your listen listens numbers interest whatever. Uh, whatever it is, it keeps us going. So, so please continue to, to spread us to your friends and whatnot. Did you mention um, the, the Colombian defender who signed? Shepes. Shepes, sorry. Shepes. He's not signed oh. yet, though. Hasn't he signed? Peter mentioned him in passing. Oh, right. But no, he's not signed yet. It, it looks sorry, like he's Shepes, going to. Yeah. But uh, I think we'll wait until he actually has done. Mm. I thought he was really good in the World Cup. Arsenal was 38. Yeah, I mean, frankly, if, if we were going to mention that, I would say... Arsenal of England or Arsenal of England? No, Arsenal of England. Yeah. Well, yeah. Arsenal, <laughs> I can only assume that in reality, if he is going to sign for Senna that they didn't get the offers that his agent was like, loads of Premiership teams are after him. Yeah. Because he's 38. Either that or he's really, really obsessed with the Club World Cup. Because, I mean, when he said yes to Independiente and then backed out of it, when he was like, my wife doesn't want to move to Argentina and like, the kids have got to go to school. Oh, did he say all that? I didn't see yeah. that side of it. And then his agent came out and said, oh, we've got loads of offers from Spain, England, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, all right, if he does sign for anyone there, then you think, all right, fine. Obviously, don't sign for a team in Argentina. But then to suddenly, when we're into the season, he hasn't signed Morocco. for anyone. That's, that's why he's going so big on the Club World Cup thing. I think he would have been more than his dream to play in the Club World Cup. Oh, that, that's the only explanation. From the same way, getting day. out of that yeah, hole yeah. that he's dug himself by saying no, she doesn't want to leave. Could be a contract only for the World Cup, uh, Club World Cup. Like, for example, yeah, talk about him signing for Schiavi and Orion did yes, for the yeah, yeah, Copa Libertadores. What is the Club World Cup? Have they got games players? They come in at the semis, they have to play the semis, and then either the third place player for the final. So he plays, if that was his but no, the, 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 what I saw mentioned on Twitter earlier was, was they're talking about him signing an 18 month yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's yeah. why I assume that you'd actually be uh, a part of their be a San Lorenzo player have any of the San Lorenzo central defenders left no but Maro Chetto has been playing like a uh, right, like he's one of the ones that Bowser's probably referring potato to. Potato with legs. Yeah. Um, for ever since the Libertadores final, he's been playing absolutely awful. Sorry, like, not Cheto, Cheto or Seto, yeah. but you're not allowed to call him Cheto in Argentina. <laughs> it's an insult. So. Anyway, I think Chepes anywhere would go into nearly everyone's Argentine team. He, I mean, World Cup. He, he, was, he was. It was his leadership as well, wasn't it? Well played in the World Cup as well, and yeah. exactly, yeah. It was his leadership. He, oh, yeah, he was yeah, a real yeah. leader on the pitch, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. No one was taking his shit off him. You know, he was sorry, he wasn't taking his shit off anyone. He was like, you know, you could. Yeah, I mean, it'd be an incredible signing for someone. You know, yeah. indeed. But anyway, I, I thought he'd signed. You've, 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 I misread it. I just saw it in the paper no, yesterday. I'm pretty sure it's not. You're saying he hasn't signed. I think he's basically at the point where he was with Independiente, where he said verbally yes, and hasn't actually come signed the deal. And so he's hedging his bets. He's still yeah. waiting for. They're talking about bringing Nacho Piatti back as well because the MLS season will have finished 
uh, by the time the Club World Cup kicks off. So he's talking about maybe being loaned for a, for a month because he'll be on holiday at that point. And yeah. he says Montreal Impact are happy to let him go. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, anyway, this time we really are going, listeners. Uh, thank you as ever for listening, and please continue to share us with your friends. Um, for now, it's time to bid farewell from. Uh, Special and unexpected guest Neil Clack. I didn't realise it was still on. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, last five point. minutes I was just no, chatting about yepes. I didn't even know that was still. Really you weren't announced. <laughs> Say goodbye, Neil. Sorry, goodbye. Um, sorry for that waffle of the last five minutes. Hope that gets cut out. Good, good, goodbye from Andres Bruckner. Goodbye. Goodbye from Peter Quates. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs>